Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Oh, Hanukkah, oh, Hanukkah, light the menorah. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I don't know the whole song. But anyway, happy Hanukkah. First night of Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah to everybody from Seth and me to you. I was going to save this for the last five minutes, but you know what? It's Hanukkah. We all get gifts. Well, at least we get gifts. It'll be a later time for the uh, other religions, and some religions don't get gifts, but we're in the middle of the holiday season. There's a lot of giving going on. I assume that you're all giving to relative charities, and you're giving to toy drives and, and, and monetary and to the, and to the uh, armed forces. Everybody's giving little gifts. And looky here, we got a couple of gifts ourselves. The Hall of Famers, Hall of Fame, Baseball Hall of Fame gave a gift, in my mind, to Jack Morris. And LeVar Ball decided to give a gift to the country of Lithuania. Who knew? Two of his sons, I'm gifting you a 16-year-old and a 19-year-old to play professional basketball in basically the worst part of the world, at least (laughs) weather-wise. Hello, Seth. Happy Hanukkah to you and to your family. Thank you, and same to you. Uh, Thank you very much. Gorgeous day in Hoboken. Well, not so much. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to talk about. Our uh, continued man crush on the, uh, on, on, the, on, the, on the B brothers in Pittsburgh. Um, start talking a little NBA, but unfortunately, and, we, and we've been very good about avoiding LeVar Ball, but we'll get to him and his, his, uh, his brethren soon enough. But, you know, as you know, two uh, players were made the Hall of Fame from the uh, Veterans Committee. I'm not mm. a particularly a fan of either of them. As a Hall of Fame, and you know my feelings on this, as I've discussed many times on the show. And if anyone wants to call in, 760-283-0846. Um, mm. Jack Morris, Alan Trammell. Jack Morris, debatably the best pitcher in baseball for the beginning, for the first couple of years of the 80s, from about 82 to 85 in that ballpark. Very good clutch pitcher. Terrible ERA for a Hall of Famer with good teams. And Alan Trammell, to me, a good player, maybe a very good player, but a good player. No one who I would ever consider the best at his position at a given time. I'm not really overwhelmed with either with either pick. Again, it's a hall of very okay. good, not a hall of great. Agreed. And, okay, I am certainly not overwhelmed, overwhelmed with Jack Morris. Those that have listened to the show know my feelings on Jack Morris. Nabate Owls and I have gone back and forth. Here's my thing. You pointed out a couple of things, right? You pointed out, number one, in the early 80s, he was probably the best pitcher in baseball. I'm not really he's sure about dis- that. He's in a discussion. It's okay, not an unequivocal. All right. You also said he's a very clutch pitcher. Yeah. So, okay. So, clutch is defined as postseason, right? We all remember the one game that he had – 
probably the most amazing single playoff start, at least in our generation. I can go with you on that. Completely go with you on that. However, he gave up how many runs in those innings? Zero, right? No runs? As far as I remember, it was a 1-0 shutout. All right. Yeah. All right. So, for the rest of his postseason career, would it surprise you that he went 6-4 and with a 3.80 ERA and 13 starts? And that includes – the 380 includes his one nothing shutout in 12 or 13 innings. So that means his ERA was well over four in the remaining of those starts, which is that in line, surprise. but it's in line with the rest of his career, right? He, his career ERA is 3.9, which is the highest in the Hall of Fame. Does that make him a good clutch pitcher? He went six and four with a 3.9 eight ERA in the playoffs? Clutch pitchers to me are John Smoltz and Andy Pettit. Those are clutch pitchers. Fair enough. Fair enough. I should have said the, one of the, the greatest clutch performance, the greatest clutch performance I can remember in recent times. A- absolutely. That's a better no, way to put no it. No question about it. And I think that's what he basically got into the Hall of Fame for. One game. A, a very good career. A very good career. And I love the the stat of he was the winningest pitcher from 1980 to 1990. Man, what an arbitrary number. Let's just take the decade and go that route. So if you move that a little bit, so you move it another 10-year period, we roll the 10-year period, which I tend to like to do in this show or any other show, we come up with, let's go 1982 to 1992, and would it surprise you that the winningest pitchers were Frank Viola, who hadn't gotten a sniff of the Hall of Fame, and has also won a Cy Young, something that Jack Morris has not done, and Roger Clemens, who may be the best right-handed pitcher of all time, steroids notwithstanding, accusations not. You know who the you know I love to do comparisons between players, right? I use baseball mm-hmm. reference tool all the time to do these comparisons. Would you like to guess who the number one comparison to to Jack Morris is? Uh, uh, you want a hint? You want um, a hint? I'm giving you I'm giving you a huge spectrum. So would you like would you like a hint? Yeah, I need I need a little bit more. I'll, I'll, I need a little bit of a hint. Okay, so he did pitch in the last 25 years. He did pitch for the New York Yankees. There you go. I think that's a pretty good hint. David Wells. Yes, spot on. Well done. Was it the Yankees? Or the, I think it was the Yankees, actually, that got you. If I had said they had just pitched in the last 25 years, not really sure. But is David Wells a Hall of Famer? No. David Wells pitched a perfect game, right? Yes. David Wells pitched in the World Series numerous times, has won a couple of World Series, which is just as many as Jack Morris. But there's no way that David Wells is a Hall of Famer. Not in my – and I'll tell you the truth. I don't think Andy Pettit's a Hall of Famer either. I just don't. I think it's going to be a good case. But I – 
You would or would not? I'm not arguing this with you. I have, you I have yeah, I think Andy Pett. I think Andy Pettis is the pure and simple your Hall of Very Good. I yep. think he is he is he is the epitome of the Hall of Very Good. Now let's move to Alan Trammell. Okay. So you your statement was that Alan Trammell was never the top play in the top player discussion at his position. Okay, so let's go into the 1980s, which is where he played. Right, he played nine. I believe it was 1980 to 1993. Who were the top shortstops? Because I can only think of two, and only one was probably equivocally better than him. Ripton and Ozzy are the first two that come to mind. Yep, and I don't think Ozzy was better than him. I just don't. I, I, I'm not of the belief that Ozzy was better than him. And if you get, if you get further down into the into the uh, the years, so we're going in 1990 to 2000. Yes, there was a better shortstop than him in a very small city that got in on the first ballot, and it's probably the best comparison to him. Can you name this man? Shortstop Barry Larkin. Barry Larkin, spot on, spot on. So why is Larkin in and Trammell not? Part of the reason was Trammell got a late start on the Hall of Fame balloting. He was up against much better competition. And then the power shortstops came into play. And Trammell just wasn't there. So I think Trammell is on the cusp. I don't think Morris is anywhere near it. And we're going to get to the the real – the, the the baseball selection of the Hall of Fame. This was just the the um, the legends or whatever they call it, the 1980s version of the Veterans Committee. We're going to get to the baseball writers towards the new year, and then we can debate those even more because I'm sure we're going to have a good debate on those with Trevor Hoffman coming up, Edgar Martinez coming up, and so on and so forth. Your Hall of very your Hall of Fame. Unfortunately, in my opinion, and probably yours too, is is becoming watered down. Well, that's been my feeling for years. I agree. I'm, I'm just saying I think it's even more so now. Now, if if you were in favor of Trammell, I'm curious. Are you in favor of Lou Whitaker getting a, getting a better look as well? Yes, Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Give me another second baseman that was better than Sweet Lou in that, in that time period. And it's not Ryan Sandberg. Now, Ryan, Ryan Sandberg, Sandberg struck me as someone who peaked yeah. in his rookie year. <laughs> um, um, you know, we've talked about, I, I thought Sandberg was a very good player who kind of had a, his reputation kind of preceded him a little bit. But I felt the same Absolutely. way about Kyle Ripken. You know my feelings on Ripken. You see, um, so so let's let's talk about Ripken versus Sandberg because I think there's generally some distinction here. So so Ripken won two MVPs, right? Has the most home runs at the time for a shortstop ever. Uh, played Gold Glove shortstop, Gold Glove third base. Had had the obviously the streak, which we believe you and I both are of the belief that that propelled him to greater heights. But it's still. 
a pretty incredible achievement to do that. Not to say that that should should get him into the Hall of Fame because guys like um, I'm sorry, there are guys that like Prince Fielder that had over a thousand, and you're never going to see him. But the fact is, to me, the streak got him over the hump. I think you win two MVPs, much like Robin Yount. You get close to 3,000 hits, like Robin Yount. You're the best player at your position, which he was. You get to be in the Hall of Fame. I'm just not sure Sandberg was ever that good. I'm not sure Sandberg was ever that guy. you You also have to remember, I lived in Baltimore, in Maryland, for a good 10 years during yeah. at the end of the streak where he was considered a god. To me, he was a very good player. Oh. You know, I had no issue with him as a Hall of Famer. But do I put him in the, you know, we've talked about the different levels of all-time great. He was a Hall of Famer. When I think of an yep. all-time great, do I put him there? Not really. Again, I think the well, street propels okay, so, him to that. Hold on. So not... let, me com- let me compare him to somebody that played the same position that I don't believe is an all-time great, yet he's treated like a god. And this year we're, we're going to see how much of a god he's really treated by, but treated as because he made an interesting trade this week that we'll talk Which about we'll in a little bit. Which we'll discuss in a little while. Yeah. Is Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter, right place, right time. Not a great player. Just a very, I mean, a solid player all around. Respect the hell out of him. But I don't think he was better than Rifkin. I just think he had a better lineup around him. Could very well be true. And he played, yeah. So, anyway. I mean, both both are unquestionably I'm sorry. Please yeah, they're both unquestionably Hall of Famers, but I don't think they're in the – if you made in a – let me ask you this. If you made a Mount Rushmore of the Yankees, would Derek Jeter be on it? No. No. I mean, I mean, your Mount Rushmore, for all intents, is, is Garrick, is Ruth, is DiMaggio mm-hmm. and, prob- and probably Mantle, um, maybe Berra. Uh, those, those, are, those are my four. You know, if you're going to have a second tier of it, you know, he's on. Yeah, he's probably there, along with Whitey Ford and um, probably Mariano, Mariano at that point. Yeah. You know, maybe Bill Dickey. Well, here's, yeah. Yeah, here's so, the I mean, thing he, for me. I, I don't even think DiMaggio makes that list because I think DiMaggio is suffers from the same breath as a Derek Jeter. He had his 56-game hitting streak, granted. He won the MVP that year when Ted Williams batted four one. He should not have won. He should not have won over Ted Williams. Right. I agree. But that's what I'm saying. So, so he wins a lot. He, he get look. You and I never saw Joe DiMaggio, <laughs> and 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 there are people that believe that Joe DiMaggio may have been the greatest player of all time. There are yes, people there are. that say that. There are people that say that. I'm sure they're all Yankee fans. 
and and they're no, older Yankee think, fans. So because I think Yankee fans would pretty much still go with Babe Ruth. That would be my thought. I think with okay. with, with Joe DiMaggio, he was the best player they've ever seen. And and the understanding that I had about Joe DiMaggio was he was regal to watch play. Right. And he was, you know, he brought things, you know, he, I mean, he was, because he, he didn't play an extraordinarily long period of time, and he, was in, he played about 13 years. And yep. he was injured, you know, for some of it. And was I think he had some war, and of course he had the war and all that, World War II. But, I mean, the statistic that, that stood out to me was, I believe he had three, and I'm not looking out this because I'm, I'm playing with a little dude while we're talking. I believe he had 361 home runs and 369. Yeah, like 300. Yeah, yep. which is absolutely unheard of. You know, he was a career. I want to say about 330, 340 hitter. He's. Mm-hmm. Who would be your top four? Hold on a second. I think that's overstated. I, I don't think he hit. I don't think he hit that guy. Hold on. I I think he was just barely a 300 hitter. Oh no, that was I'm sorry, that was Mantle. That was Mantle was 298, 299. 298. I'm looking up Joe DiMaggio, but the fact is, if you're looking, the thing about DiMaggio is again he played in New York, right? And this, ladies and gentlemen, this is not the direction I wanted this conversation to go in, but I'm happy we're having it because I think. We're going to have it at some point, so why not have it now? Um, he, he benefited from playing in New York. There's no doubt this man benefited from playing in New York. So DiMaggio finished with a um, lifetime batting average. You're right, 325. 325. He had 2,200 hits. He had 369 strikeouts and 300 uh, and 361 home runs. So, so not like eight strikeouts more than home runs. Yeah. Well, that look, that's who he was, right? That's what people remember about him. But again, so he played in an era where his contemporary was closest contemporary Ted Williams, right? Yeah. We'll get, Give that right. Okay, so Williams struck out seven hundred and nine times and hit five hundred and twenty one home runs and batted three forty four. But Williams definitely didn't get the MVP votes. Even when he won the triple crown he didn't get the MVP. Joe Gordon got. It. No, so, I just I I, be, I actually think he won the MVP the year he won the side, the uh triple crown he lost at the Maggio also. I don't think it was. I think well, he, Gordon won it in '42, and he won I the triple think, crown twice. Hold on, he won the 40, triple crown twice. One, two. So he won it in 1947. I thought he won it twice. No, it looks like. Uh, wait. No, I think he 47 won it Forty-seven and forty-two. Forty-two and forty-seven. So in forty-two, okay, right. it must have been with Joe Gordon. Forty-two was Joe Gordon. Right, forty-seven was probably DiMaggio, because I, that I don't 40, know. No, I'm sorry. Hold on, forty-seven. He won it again, and he, he lost the, to DiMaggio. He won the MVP. Okay. No, he he lost the MVP the two times he won the triple crown, and when he batted four hundred. 
Well, he won the MVP uh, twice, I believe. I could be wrong on that. He probably did on some other years that somebody doesn't win the Triple Crown, and when they don't hit 400. Like, it's probably three best statistical years he doesn't hit. He doesn't get the MVP. And I think that's a New York bias. Complete New York bias. Okay, well, anyway, we're talking about Rick. Which one? Who are, the, who, is your, who are the four players on your New York Mount Rushmore? Oh, not even, not even a problem for me. Barra, twenty that you can who won three. M- okay, it's Barra, three MVPs Mantle, in eleven World Ru- Series. Ruth and Garrick. Not, not even. You would put really Man- you would, not even an you would issue. Put Mantle over De- you would put Mantle over DiMaggio. Mantle's got better stats. Mantle won a triple crown. Mantle won two, two or three MVPs. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Mantle played in a Mantle played in a harder time to play baseball. I mean, also, they, it, are you are you going to hold is, that against Derek and Ruth? Yes, but their stats were so overwhelmingly great that. So remember, so I I hate to bring up Babe Ruth as as the guy, right? Babe Ruth won a hundred games and hit seven hundred fourteen home runs. Nope. Uh, we can talk about Otani maybe doing that, who's coming over from Japan. But the guy's not going to hit enough to hit 714 home runs. And he probably won't win more than 100 games. So we're kind of back to where we are, square one. So, yeah, I'll hold it against him to the point that Garrick won a triple crown. Garrick won the first MVP and didn't win another MVP because he wasn't permitted to do such. Ruth won the MVP, wasn't permitted to do such, and hit 714 home runs and 60 in a year. And the 60 in a year, I believe, was better than nine teams combined that year. So overwhelmingly over the top. So, yeah, those are my guys. And I think Yogi Berra is probably the most underrated player in Major League Baseball history. Do you want to go back to the original discussion point? Well, my original discussion point was going to be switching gears over to the NFL because we just had a retirement today. Not that the guy has really played all that much in the last three years, but Devin Hester retired today. Devin Hester has more kickoff returns for touchdowns, more punt returns for touchdowns, returned a touchdown off a missed field goal in in the NFL history. Is Devin Hester to you a Hall of Famer? No. Why? Just not. Um, Apparently, Jake. So we put. Jake agrees with me as well. Well, we put in Hall of Famers, or not we, but obviously the Pro Football puts in Hall of Famers for kicking. We have now put a Hall of Famer in for punting. We put a Hall of Famer in for merely being able to sack the quarterback. And I say that because I think that certain people got in merely because they can sack the quarterback, one of them being Chris Dolman. Wasn't a great all-around player, but sure could rush the quarterback. Had 21 one year, won the, MVP, won the defensive MVP because he had 21 sacks one year. So why would you not, much the same way as you're going to state that Mariano Rivera or Trevor Hoffman goes into the Baseball Hall of Fame for basically being able to do one thing and one thing well. In Mariano's case, one pitch. 
and one pitch extraordinarily well, why would a kickoff returner or punt returner or special teams ace like Scott Tasker not be in the Hall of Fame for doing their job Steve, incredibly well? You mean Steve Tasker? You mean Steve Tasker? Steve Tasker, correct. Steve. Actually, Steve Tasker. That's why I have you around. Steve Ta- to correct you, marvelous. Steve Tasker yes. is actually the reason that I'm reticent to put Hester in the Hall of Fame. Um, Steve Tasker to me is a Hall of Fame. Was the best. Is considered the best special teams player of all time. I think that's fair to say. Okay. Sure. He's never even. I don't. He think did not return kicks. He did not return kicks. I don't believe he. I don't think Tasker even ever made the final fifteen to be picked. I could be wrong, but I don't think he's ever gotten really serious consideration. He's been. He's made the semifinals. I don't think he's made the finals. And as great as Devin Hester was for a couple of years, Dante Hall was great for a couple of years. Billy White Hughes Johnson was great for a couple of years. Was Hester significant? Deion Sanders, although he did obviously other things, was great for a few years doing this. Was Hester above and beyond those guys? Uh, he was a very good returner. I think he'll get consideration. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Okay. That's fair. And now I'm going to go to your favorite guy who probably had – well, we're on the Hall well, – we're on the NFL. Well, so well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. How, about, how, about, how about your uh, – what was your view? I, so my view is we all have the eye test, right? And the eye test tells me that he's a Hall of Fame. The eye test tells me he's been the best punt, off, punt and kick returner that I've ever seen. Dante Hall did it for one year. Dion one year? did a whole lot I more. it was a couple of years. Yeah, one, one, one or two at most, two. Dion did a whole lot more, right? Agreed. Dion's in a different different category. Okay, I think you're right, Steve Tasker being a Hall of Famer, but I don't think you compare the two. I think they did totally different things. Well, of course. So if your argument is, if your argument is that a tackler gets into the Hall of Fame, I don't have a problem with that. But you can't say reticent, which was a great word. Props on the word that you. It's not my. It's my opinion that you can't be reticent on one guy for not getting in the Hall of Fame because another guy isn't getting in if they don't play the same position and they don't. But here's the thing. That's like say, that's like saying I don't think Brett Favre can get in until Jerry Rice gets in. That that they they can't compare. But you're talking. Well, I think I think that's a silly comparison. Because you're talking positions, and I realize you just use it as an example, but you're talking positions where 10, yeah. 20, 10, 20, 30 people have made it. As a pioneer, okay. I don't think, as we said, nobody's ever gotten in strictly as a, as a returner. Correct. And to me, if you're going to get in, you know, as you said, a, a, one, a one-shot pony or whatever you, want to, whatever you want to call it. One-trick pony. One-trick pony. One-trick pony. And that's all Hester was. He didn't have much of a career as a yep. wideout. He returned, well, I guess there was probably 15 kicks for touchdowns. That sounds about right. Give Something or like that. Yep, over give or take. Yep. You know, Tasker was an all-pro for 10 years. 
nine years, eight years of that doing that. You know, Hester returned 15 kicks for touchdowns over a 10-year career. I'm yep. not sure. I'm not sure that it's a, that. And for and for yes, it's a different. But you know, it's special teams, but not it's special teams. It's not an offensive or defensive player. I get that. And you're going to, yep. so, but to me, if you're going to get a special teams guy in, just like you use your comparison of Mariano, you have to be above and beyond, above and beyond. Okay. I don't consider Hester above and beyond. Great. Was he great? Very good at what he did? Yes, great. Maybe. Again, I'm a Hall of Great. Not a Hall yep. of Really, Really Good. Now, and you know me, I've made that abundantly clear. Over yes. Time. Yeah, and the interesting thing is in, in the Baseball Hall of Fame, you can be the Hall of Great, even though it won't. we've already dumbed it down because everybody's got to be elected. In the NFL Hall of Fame, Pro Football Hall of Fame, it has to be the Hall of Good, of very good. And the reason is they're required to induct four people every year. When you have a requirement to induct people, I think you're, you're just setting yourself up to be watered down. Because some days you're just going to have the Tory Holtz out there. One year you may have the Devin Hesters out there, who you believe are the Hall of Very Good, but five years ago, nobody retired of significance. So that's where you are. But different, different uh, discussion for a different day. So moving on to the Hall of Very Bad Parenting, in my opinion. Lamar Ball. <laughs> no, no, no. You're in the Hall of Very Good Parenting. woo <laughs> You haven't quite made it to the hall. You haven't quite made it to the Hall of Fame yet. You, you got to get him through college without getting arrested once. Well, without calling Uncle Sean to bail him out once. Yeah, is that without? If a you can do that. No, nah, even misdemeanors. I, I don't want to get the call in the middle of the night because Jake is definitely not going to call you, and he's not going to call your wife. That's certainly yeah, I not think happening. He would... So, I would assume he would call me before he would call my wife. <laughs> yes, and he definitely called the lawyer because the lawyer is the one that's going to get his butt out of jail. So, yeah. or, or you're going to call me. One of the two is going to happen if this happens, but I don't believe it will. So, okay. So hall of very, the Hall of Very Bad Parenting. Last week, LeVar Ball found out that his middle son, LaMichael? Le, Le is it LaMichael? Not LiAngelo. LaMelo. LaMelo. LaMelo Ball was going to be suspended by the UCLA Bruins because he stole a bunch of crap from a Chinese store in China. And to his point, he said, wait a second. They got detained in China. His punishment is done. Yeah. I don't know what planet he's on, but that's never going to fly. And I'll go even one more. If UCLA did not suspend him, I believe they would have been committing an NCAA infraction. So they really had no choice. And the other thing is, he's not that good of a player. 
he's he's not a starting player. He's he's a very mediocre, according to reports, player. So Lavar Ball says, you know what? Screw that. I'm gonna take my boys, both of them. First, we're gonna go to uh, the re- the pop up uh, big baller store in New York City, where we're gonna have a a line around the corner, where I found out on Twitter. I was not there. And then we're going to go, and my boys, my boys, and this is just an impression, ladies and gentlemen, my boys are going to play professional basketball, make them better for the draft, and we're going to go to Lithuania. Yeehaw! I can only think that LaMelo and LiAngelo are loving this decision. <laughs> Yeah, um, my lord. In, 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 in planet big baller, uh, Lavar Lavar certainly beats to his own drum. Um, you know, I guess the good thing is he'll get to play. You know, well, we Lamelo is I think the younger one, and Lamelo. No, Leangelo. Leangelo is the is the younger one. So, pretty much, I want to give give an over under of how long are these guys going to last there. You're asking me you for an over under? Yeah. I want to say a month. I think Three no. Weeks? I think they last through the rest of. The, I think they last through the rest of the season. I do. And the reason I do is because I think Lavar understands that the only way that his middle son may, and I say may, get drafted is if he plays a full year. Well, I'm actually reading, reading a tweet from Jeff Goodman from ESPN. Just spoke to someone who's extremely familiar with Lithuania basketball. Said this team is, this team is, per, is ideal for the Ball Brothers, except for the fact that the coach doesn't speak English. Because they play guys right. out of position, they shoot a ton of threes, and they don't defend. It works perfectly. Yep. So, I, at the end of the day, Lamelo, or sorry, Leangelo, is not going to go pro in the NBA. There is not, he, was not, he would not have been recruited by Steve Alford, by any other major t- conference, major college team. Except for all intents and purposes, Steve Alford owes LeVar Ball his career. And we, you, you, we've talked about this, Sean. A year and a half ago, they wanted Steve Alford out, and he should have been out. But Lonzo Ball came in and made that team exciting, and they went to the Sweet 16. And he got a brand-new contract, and they thought so – they, so they each got what they wanted. Alford got a new contract out of the deal. LeVar got publicity for, his family, for, for the kids and, for, and Big Baller. And now it's done. So, you know, good riddance. I, I, I could honestly care less if I ever hear the, the last name Ball again. Of course, it will because of Lonzo. And who knows, Lamelo is 16, so I, I cannot imagine how a 16-year-old... Nope, Leangelo. Is, Leangelo is 16. Leangelo sure? is 16. Okay. I, I thought you were wrong. Wait, okay. no, now I'm not. Now you got me questioning myself. 
you're you're absolutely questioning myself, making me question myself. Uh, Leangelo, I'm ninety percent sure is UCLA. Lamelo is is high school. Lamelo is. Hold on. All right, here we go. Lamelo is sixteen. You are correct. Leangelo is nineteen. So that's twice today. Congrats. Thank you. Well done. Jakey, can I have a round of applause? Well done, Kynes. Ah, I tried. There you go. Are you happy now? Nah, if it came from my son, I'd be happy. Coming from you, it just feels kind of something. Well, take it as it's meant. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So we've gotten rid of LaMelo Ball. We've gotten rid of LiAngelo Ball. We are still dealing with LaVar and with Lonzo. But in New York, I think Eli's done. I mean, you he think came Eli's back for a game. New York? No, I think he's done. I don't think he plays next year. I think they gave him – I think they gave, they're giving him these two games – and I think he's done. I mean, I, he didn't look very good. I mean, we played him, which, thank God for Brown and Bell. We played him against both of our better judgments. Because both, let, let me explain this, ladies and gentlemen, how this conversation went, went to play. Saturday night, I call Seth and I say, so are we playing Brett Hundley or are we playing Eli Manning? And his response was, well, we should play Eli. And I said, well, I don't think that's a good idea. I think we should play Brad Hundley. I'm not saying this is my, my good. Because we had this conversation. We went to bed. And Seth basically said, do what you need to do. Do what you want. So I slept on it. I got up. And I called Seth at about 11.45, 12 o'clock. And I said, you know, I think we should play Eli. And his response, you know, I think we should play Hundley. <laughs> That's exactly how the conversation yeah. went. And and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I finally came around to your side, and now you want to go the other way. And eventually Seth said, you know what, do what you want. <laughs> and I said, you know what, are you watching the Giant game? And he said, yes, I always watch the Giant game. Great. Well, play the guy that you have a vesting interest. Ladies and gentlemen, we will never use that plot ever again. again. <laughs> ever, ever again. Use the philosophy of you're watching the guy, so we play him. Because that is a philosophy that does not win fantasy leagues, but loses fantasy leagues. Because you should never, ever draft with your heart. You should never, ever play guys with your heart. Play with your head. There's a reason I have never drafted a New York Jet. Ever. Because they've su- because they've First of all, they suck. Years. Yeah, I know. I knew that was going to come in. First of all, they suck. But, no, I mean, I've played fantasy football for over 20 years now. There was Keyshawn Johnson. There was Curtis Martin. But there were – Curtis Martin led the league in rushing twice. There were guys that could fundamentally play. And I never drafted one of them. And the reasoning why? Do not draft with your heart. Do not not play with your heart. Do not draft with your heart. Well, ladies and gentlemen – we have put in a waiver claim tomorrow for Nick Foles 
to replace Eli Manning. And why have we done this? So Seth and I will never play with our hearts again. Ever. And he sucks on top of that. (laughs) So, yeah, I watched the game on Sunday, most of it. I, I, I mean, he had like six or seven drop passes, so you can blame that on the wideouts. But, man, he played a bad game. And this is not the first. No, but the the problem is, and this is what we really don't know, the line is is not good. The running backs are not good. The the wide receivers are missing their top four. I don't know if anyone could be good under the circumstances. And I agree. I I think Eli is done in New York. And he may decide, I don't want to play if I'm not playing in New York. And I know that Jacksonville has been the big discussion point, but they just picked up Blake Bortles' $19 million contract for next year. So, and it looks like Jacksonville, after is going to, you know, win the division, because Tennessee seems to be falling apart. And they're te- they may very well go 10 and 5, 10 and 6, 11 and 5. So, I, I am, um, I, I don't, there won't be a trade this year, but I, I, I would not be surprised to see if Eli, you know, takes a flyer on a year. To see if there's a team, to see if there's a better, see if there's a fit for him. I don't know, but it is time. You know, as I was talking with a couple of Giants fans, they were more unhappy with how it was done than it was done. And we'll see how it plays out. You know, I, the Giants are going to have an extraordinarily good draft pick. If Deshaun, you know, if Cleveland you know, looks like they'll have the number one pick, and if Deshaun Kaiser keeps going and for some reason, whoever the umpteen, I guess John Dorsey, the 87th GM in the last 12 years in Cleveland, decides to go in a different position, the Giants will have their choice of quarterback because the teams that are that bad, San Francisco is going to re-sign Garofalo, I would think. Indianapolis has Andrew Luck. So they, they will have their choice. Now, you know my feelings. Yep. You know who I want them to go for. But I, I would have to assume that they would go quarterback. So... We'll see. It's going to be an ugly, ugly year. It'll be, it'll be a very interesting offseason for the Giants. And, of course, the Jets will once again miss out on the quarterback. Well, but, you'll be about number okay. nine or number ten, and we'll see where it goes. Yep. Your biggest so, nightmare. Yeah, my biggest nightmare, mediocrity, again. Well, not – you know, I didn't have a nightmare this year, when, when this week, and when Josh McCown got hurt. It was unfortunate, but I didn't have a nightmare because you know my strategy. I want them to lose, and there's no better way to lose than not have a quarterback that can pass the ball. The biggest nightmare came true for Philadelphia fans, though, in Carson Wentz tearing his ACL. For people who have Carson Wentz on two of their three playoff fantasy football teams, whoever that may be. I don't know anybody like that. (laughs) I don't. Hmm. So, uh, let's put a disclaimer. That was Seth's teams, and I yep. have him on one of my two in the playoffs, so it's not like we don't feel the pain. But we so, certainly don't feel it like Eagles fans who haven't won a Super Bowl in over 30 years. And who were probably the presumptive Super Bowl favorite. At least in my eyes, they were playing – probably better than anybody else 
are they still a favorite, or are they? Is this the injury that's going to keep them from being there? I think they fall into the. I don't know if they were the definitive favorite. Um, as strange as that sounds, because I never thought I would say this about a team whose third string quarterback was, was leading them. I think that the Minnesota would have been. My, no, that would be Minnesota. Um, I think I liked Minnesota better because I just think their defense is unbelievable. Um, I think you have, you really have a complete and utter mess in the NFC. And this will be a year that no matter what six teams get in, you're going to have an argument for any of those teams. You look at the, you look through and it's good. The Eagles have won the division. They're going to be, they probably will still be a top seed. They're, they do not have a hard, they have the Giants, the Raiders, and the Cowboys, I believe. So it's not a tough schedule coming down the uh, pike. At a minimum, I think they'll end up with the two seed. You look in the NFC Central, or the South, excuse me, you have Carolina, New Orleans, and Atlanta all fighting for positions. All teams that you could see making a run, but all teams with, with, with flaws. The NFC West, the Rams are starting to take a bit of a step back, and they play Seattle next week with the division on the line. And Seattle is injured to the nth degree. Plus, they may have suspensions after the Jacksonville debacle. No, there are no the suspensions. No, no suspensions. suspensions. No suspensions. Okay. And then you look in the NFC Central. You know, Minnesota is going to be the favorite. Aaron Rodgers comes back. You know, Brett Hundley. We spent a hundred dollars on Brett Hundley. We got us to three and two. You got Green Bay to three and two. And yeah, you, he didn't get us any three teams? and two, dude. No, he did not. Do you have? Do you have? Would you want to play Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs? I know. I, I don't think anyone Rodgers. can read. The, no, I don't think anyone can read the NFC. Is the best way to put it. I don't think anyone can read anybody right now. Pittsburgh's won eight in a row, and they have not been overwhelmingly impressive. New England got annihil- really got beat up by Miami last night. San Diego has won, what, seven in a row, eight in a row, and they're playing Kansas City on Saturday night. But they're San Diego. They always find a way to fall. They always, something always goes wrong. Jacksonville has no... Mike Bortles going to lead you to the Super Bowl? I, I look at this. There's nobody that overwhelms me right now. Well, to me, the best part is that New England's not in that category. Let me ask you this. New England played last night, and they lost. Okay. And their offense looked awful, right? It was off the charts awful for a New England offense, which Agreed. certainly benefited us. Certainly benefited us since we played against Brady and Burkhead. But looking at the team, we saw last year how much of an influence and how important Julian Edelman was to that team. Because when Gronkowski was out, they still were able to to tick, right, the same way that they were uh, at the beginning. This year you had Edelman out. Now you had Gronk out. And yesterday looked like a total dumpster fire which is our new term. I don't remember the guy that came on the show that talked about Tennessee, but our new term is certainly dumpster fire. I love it. 
I'm totally on board with that. So last night was the epitome of what New England has going wrong for them. Yesterday, we saw the epitome of what Pittsburgh, uh, sorry, Sunday, we saw the problems with Pittsburgh in that they really, after the Ryan Shazier um, injury, and yes, that is my man crush. Seth and I have established this, that he has always been my man crush coming out of college, in that he is probably the best linebacker going side to side, fastest one across the field. So now they don't have a backer. You're right. Each one of these teams has a problem. But I still think New England has the least amount if they're healthy. And they seem to be – Gronkowski wasn't hurt. He was suspended. So they seem to be healthy. And guess who they signed today? Did you see who New England signed today? Teddy Britt. Of course. You mean mean the Randy Moss clone? (laughs) It's an I'm not joking. This guy's got it this guy's like got as much talent as Randy did. You think th- you think this is straight out of Michael Floyd like last year? Yeah, I do. Um, the thought pro- the thought was that Amendola between Amendola and Hogan, you would be able to replace maybe not replace Edelman, but it would be you'd be able to cover a lot of it. Gronkowski still Gronkowski. The team, you know, Brandon Cooks has been very good. It's been it's been what you expected him to be. He's been he's been very solid. But it is. Last night was eye opening. Now it may not mean anything when we're, when we're all said and done. These are this is. Yes, I swear to you, Jake. It may not mean anything. Because this is the New England Patriots, who people were writing off after their week one loss to Kansas City, and then they won, what, nine out of ten, whatever whatever they did. And it is one loss, and people look to see any chink in the armor in New England. But signing Kenny Britt is not something that really instills me with a great deal of confidence for this team. But I'll still be damned if they don't show up next week against Pittsburgh. Exactly. And I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if they beat Pittsburgh next week. Agreed. And I think Kenny Britt, yeah. I mean, look, we saw on Sunday night the issue with Pittsburgh, right? It's team speed on the defense. They were not able to contend with our arch nemesis, it seems like, Alex Collins. I think he got really pissed off that we cut him earlier in the year, and he just wanted to make a name for himself against us. Because well, two consecutive be fair, weeks, that guy, that guy went off. To be fair, you cut him in our. We cut him in our joint league. He is my starting running yes. back in my in my other big league. Which oh, is he really? Was my big week. Oh yeah, he was started. Him and him and Le- Le'Veon were my starters. On Sunday night, again in in the in my league, which I am the defending champion, and will be the will be favored over slightly favored over the one seed uh, on on Sunday. So we'll see. But it is yeah, I, I 
because I was starting Marshall Marshawn Lynch. I was starting Frank Gore. It seems to have worked quite nicely and the both, last couple of weeks. And, and, and both of those guys would have given you mad points this week. Yeah. But, well, at the end of the As day. it turned out. We'll see how it plays out. At, at the end of the day. Okay, so five more minutes. Um, well, yeah, seven minutes on the show, but five more until we got to do something. So, number one, um, Mike Stanton trade makes the Yankees probably the favorites or even the co-favorites with Houston in the American League. In my opinion, it's all going to come down to pitching. They still need to get some. And you still – look, you can call me, as many people have, a very resentful Mets fan, and you'd be right. But the fact is Mike Stanton has played 150 games once in his career. He's only played 130 games three times in his career. Aaron Judge went an entire month without being able to hit a ball, and we've only seen him one year. And they're going to rotate four guys in three positions, and they still only have one and a half pitchers. Uh, I'm sorry, two and a half pitchers with Sonny Gray in the starting rotation. Yeah. Well, Tanaka doesn't have half an elbow, so I'm just waiting for that thing to fall off. Okay, let's look at this practically. You're the New York Yankees. Yep. You you get offered. Oh, no, I think they made the trade. I think they made the trade a thousand times out of a thousand. I'm not debating the the trade. I'm debating the fact that somebody believes that they're the presumptuous World Series champions already or even the favorites. You You mean the preemptive? Preemptive or presumptive? That's what I was looking for. Yeah, preemptive. Let's use both. Um, Let's use both. Okay. They're not. Um, their their lineup is scary. I don't think yes. anyone would dispute that. And nope. I don't think they're done. I think they are going to make a. The rumors are they're going to make a run at Alex Cobb. They need a number. They need a two three starter. They're not yep. going to get an ace. So is Alex Cobb a 2-3 starter when healthy? Is Michael Fulmer yes. a 2-3 starter when healthy? So You're not getting Michael names that we're... Okay. Well, those are the names that have You're been bandied about. Yeah. Now, the, the other question is, and this is ironic, Baltimore has announced that they're putting Manny Machado on the trading block. What? You didn't see Seriously? all the people. You didn't hear this? Yeah. Well, this was, I this saw that announced. Philadelphia was looking into it, but I never saw that they actually did it. They announced this? They didn't announce it. Okay, I'm sorry. They didn't announce it. It is heavily rumored that he – I've read it in a couple of times. Oh, okay. That, he's been, that he is on – there is nothing – and if you're Baltimore, you might as well. You're not going to resign him. I think that's already. Oh, I agree to that. I agree, but okay, you you okay, go go for it. Yes. So do you make do you make a play for Manny Machado? If you're the Yankees, I I don't, I I don't think there's a (laughs) shot in hell that Peter Angelos trades him to the Yankees. One year deal, you get Clint Frazier, you get three, you get uh, Andrew Hard, their top their three top prospects. No chance. No chance. Uh, 
Look, Angelos is more about PR than he is anything else. Just, look, we got the winter meetings coming up. We'll see what happens. They traded Chase Henley today, opening up some salary room. So, and do you trade for Manning Machado without an extension? Because if you do extend him, then you're going well over the luxury tax, which is the thing that Hal Steinbrenner had said, I don't want to do. Well, so you're not extending okay. The only way they would do it is pretty much a wink-wink that they're not extending until after the season. That, yep. that, that to me, would be a given. You're, there's no way – the whole premise of this with A-Rod finally off the, off the, uh, off, off the salary cap – is to go under so they can drop their tax by, what is it, 30%. So you – and to me, yeah, I mean, as I was talking with a buddy of mine, extremely knowledgeable Yankee fan, no one was really looking for Stanton. Nobody particularly wanted Stanton. But how exactly can you turn down this deal? And you can't. And Agreed. to pay $25 million for Stanton versus 35 to $40 million for Harper next year? You know what? It's it, it's certainly reasonable. I mean, reasonable is not the right word, but you know, it's relatively speaking, it makes sense. So we have totally what, three agree. Okay, left? so yeah, we got two minutes left. I'll go first. Congratulations so, to the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show. Thank you so much to Antonio Brown. I promise we will protect you next year. We absolutely will protect you. Just bring us another championship, and don't tear an ACL or an Achilles. And we will bring you back. I promise we will bring you back. I think ever since I brought that up to Seth that we were thinking about not retaining him next year because the money was too much. This guy has gone on an absolute tear. So keep it up. Bring us a championship. <laughs> and I promise we will, we will protect you. Okay. Seth, you got 80 seconds. Go. Well, first of all, maybe we'll actually get paid when we win this year, which is uh... – no, no, no. Um, uh, well, a sad retirement to one of the most, one of the craziest boxers you'll ever see. Orlando Salido, uh, knocked out, uh, by Mickey Roman, uh, on Saturday night. The only man to beat the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. Toughest bastard you'll ever see. And he put on some wars. Also, if you're in Alabama, for the love of God, please go vote. And please do not vote for the man who thought dating 14-year-olds and 16-year-olds was acceptable. I know we're supposed to be apolitical. And I realize that the... Not this oh, week. Not this week. Not, not this week. Not, no. Not this guy. Not this week. No, and not this week. I don't... At all. This guy, no. No, no, no. If you need any reason to, no, to say no again... Watch the video that his wife did today. That, that, that About how you know. his, his friend, his friend, the Jew, the attorney. Yeah. Uh, or as Charles, so Barkley okay. as Charles Barkley eloquently put, please don't make us look like the idiots of the country. Well, if it's not yep. you, it'll be Mississippi. So prove us wrong. Yep. Um, we'll be back. For Seth Gaiman's. There you go. We'll be back next week. Have a great night, everybody.